And so a, a majority of the time, they they truly are just flattered. And so we've seen people that are in the content comment on the ad and say, oh my God, that's me tagging friends and stuff. Like they're just, they're stoked to be a part of it. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owners Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron. And Christian, we want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go. Influencers. Have you ever wondered how to get influencers to actually create content for your brand? What are the best tools to start building out your influencer marketing campaigns? Well, in this episode, we have Taylor Legas, who is the co-founder of Kinship with a Y. Now, what do they do? They leverage influencers for the growth of direct-to-consumer brands. Listen to this episode if you want a simple process of their unique approach to influencers. Check it out. All right, recording on this end, and then I'm going to record on Zoom too because your audio does sound great there, so this is going to be nice. All right, awesome. Taylor, thanks so much for uh, jumping on the podcast. Real excited to have you on. Awesome. So just give us a... Just give us a thirty-second overview of um, of influencer marketing in your own words, and then we'll just go from there and kind of like deconstruct like how people can use this for for their own business. My words are probably going to be a lot different than the rest of the marketplace's words. I mean, we'll dive into that. Influencer marketing, one hundred percent, is one of those black balls that a lot of people don't know what to do with. But how we view influencer marketing, it's the biggest arbitrage opportunity uh, in tapping into a network of great content creators. Um, we think it's the biggest arbitrage opportunity in e-commerce where, hey, you can get the most cost-effective content if you know how to properly work with this group of people and tap into it. A lot of people think it's you know distribution, all about you know them posting to their organic uh, audiences. That's very much to the cherry on top of the gravy. They're content creators first, distribution network second. Um, and that's how we would quickly dive into the topic at large, though. Okay, so the perfect, perfect place to start there. So you're looking at this for the content creator. You're looking at influencers as creating the content to use for the brands um, to give back to content or to give them content to like run ads or like what do you what do you see as the content as the influencers as content creation? Like how would you leverage that? 100% of paid media. So Facebook ads, TikTok ads, but quite honestly, wherever you can use it, right? So on landing pages, email, all of the above. But yeah, where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck is leveraging that into paid media itself. And why we say it's the biggest arbitrage opportunity, just to you know unpack that statement a little bit. If you look into the market rate of any quality creative asset, it's probably about 500 bucks. You tap into influencers, you can get, and we'll walk through our process, you can get an asset for $33. And these are people that actually proven to create content on the platforms you're looking to advertise on that gets people to take action. So very cost effective. Some of the more top performing pieces of creative. And yeah, 100% leveraging into paid media is where we're really valuing them as content creators. Before we get into the actual process, what is the difference between and i think uh, i've seen it even on your on your twitter page the igc versus the ugc what's the main main difference there you've seen that it's yeah. funny all the ugc creators that have twitter's come out of the woodworks when you post stuff like that um 
It's good. Uh, so yeah, we just we just make the delineation between the two. At the end of the day, they're both user generated content, quote unquote, right? But we like to make the delineation between hey, there's a difference between IGC and UGC. IGC being influencer generated content because one is being created by professional content creators here, right? Influencers do this on a day to day basis, twenty four seven, creating you know and producing content that gets people to take action on the networks, social networks that you're looking to advertise on. Whereas UGC creators, you know, UGC in the past is, you know, customer reviews, you know, there are people that aren't doing this on a daily basis, putting out content that actually will crush it in your paid me efforts. They're just users of your product. So there is a delineation that needs to be very clear there. Okay. Very cool. With the, so IGC, as far as what you, what, I guess let's just step back one thing and then we can, we can dive into the playbook side of things too. Cause I just have so many questions running through. So what would you consider an influencer at the stage, right? Whenever you're reaching out to somebody or somebody's trying to find one, what are you guys defining as an actual influencer? Is there a certain amount of followers or a certain amount of engagement when you're, when you're looking at something like that? Yeah. I mean, I'll just give you what we typically recommend as best practice. So anyone with 5k to 150k followers is who we would recommend identifying and building relationships with reason being, and then obviously anybody above that. Right. But honestly, anybody that's just consistently putting out content via social media, you want to work with those people. And if they've been able to, you know, aggregate at least 5,000 followers and they're putting out consistent content, they're obviously pretty good creative like content creators at that point but we identify 5k to 150k reason being and this will go into the process well best practices here basically on a per follower basis micros have greater reach greater engagement greater conversion rate all the above um in comparison to macro influencers on a per follower basis like i would take 10 micros over one macro any day of the week right aggregate following will probably be about the same um but you're going to get greater reach out of that following, greater engagement, greater conversion rate, and it's more niche audiences to align your brand with. And 10 micros are going to be way more cost-effective to work with than a macro. And then with usage rights to that content, when you follow up for it, a macro is going to say, sure, Taylor, you can use my content for $10,000 plus for 30 days, whereas a micro-influencer flattered that you want to repurpose their content. So you get 10x the creative as well. So you said define influencer I mean, this is the influencer that we recommend going after 5k to 150k. Got it. And so just going back to the first part of what you said earlier is them being the content creators is number one. And I agree. I'm like, okay, that's awesome. Like they just give us content that's either you got to pay a videographer or you got to have them spend the time and effort to do. And like, that's worth a lot. So I agree with that hundred percent, but then you also have the second component. Like, what are you guys typically asking the influencer to do? Because that's the other part is the influence that they have on their side of the so- the social posting. Um, what's a typical relationship look like for that? Or what do you guys look at to be successful on that side of it? That's a great question. It's going to be hard not to go into the process at this point, but I'll just say it. Um, basically, everyone that we're reaching out to that we identify as someone that we want to build a relationship with, our first touch point with them. We reach out to them saying something along the lines of, you know, hey, Aaron, we think you're a great brand fit. Absolutely love the content you consistently put out. We think you love our product and we want to send it to you, no strings attached. And what we mean by that is we have no expectation of you to post whatsoever. Just send me your address. We'll get this right out to you. So you might be thinking, every listener might be thinking, all right, I'm tuning out. I'm checking out. I'll see you guys <laughs> next week. Why, why in the hell would I send that? 
Well, it's a numbers game and we've seen them pan out actually quite well where it actually lends itself to getting, you know, if you go back to the beginning, $33 per asset, um, you're going to stand out in an incredible manner in comparison to every other brand out there that's reaching out in that spammy way saying, hey, we'll send you this product in exchange for X, we'll send you this product and some compensation in exchange for Z. It just takes that transactional model, flips it on a, on its head and makes it relational. And time and time again, the amount of output you get from this is just tenfold. So that's how we're starting the relationships. That's how we're building it. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of questions that stem from that statement, but I'll stop there. No, I think, uh, well, from this point, now we, we do need to like pull down the, the blueprint. I think that's what you guys have on the website is like, what is the blueprint? What does this look like? And then we can, we can dive into that. Cause I'm sure everybody's listening now is like, okay, that's completely different. And I want to, I want to answer that question, but let's go back to what is the framework? What is the blueprint, um, that, that you guys suggest? Yeah, you're, you're, you're bringing on somebody here that, uh, consistently says that the pay for post model within within influencer marketing is a dead model. Uh, and so our process really speaks to that. Uh, and it's just because, you know, like the Kim Kardashian stories of the world where, you know, you spend a million dollars to make two million or three million. They very well may be out there. I'm a little skeptical about it, to be truthful. Um, but even if it is true, there's just a better way to get a greater ROI, to build more authentic, genuine relationships, um, and to get much you know, better advocates for your brands and products. So that's through what we call influencer seeding to speak to that process, like for our brands. And I'm going to give you the whole tech stack too. So listeners can take that, try it out internally at a smaller scale. Most, I mean, probably, but nonetheless, you'll be able to take some actionable steps here. So when we're coming alongside brands, we're identifying and reaching out to 500 influencers per month. And that's just a minimum. How we're identifying those influencers, we use a tool called Tagger. Uh, that tool costs $1,500 per month. If you're looking for a free tool, Facebook brand collabs manager is one to identify Instagram influencers, Facebook, Instagram, uh, uh, influencers, TikTok creator marketplace is another free tool to identify TikTok influencers. I'd push the chips in on TikTok influencers for the organic side of things here. So use the TikTok creator marketplace for that. It's free. Again, align all the quantitative data as much as possible. So what makes them a brand fit, persona fit, demographic fit with your customer data? Just align those two as much as you can with who you're going to identify as an influencer representing your brand. And then quite honestly, just as important on, on that quantitative data, and that's what we're going to be getting into a little bit more here, uh, just as important, if not most important, is their video content creation ability. So you don't only want to make sure that they align brand fit, persona fit, demographic fit quantitatively. But more importantly, video content creation ability. So that's going to take a white glove approach there. You know, are they articulate? Are they charismatic? Are they thumb stopping? Do they capture my attention in the first three seconds? Long story short, if I put product in their hands, you need to be able to answer the question, would they be able to sell me on it through the video content that they create, post, and that we ultimately want to repurpose into paid media? If all those boxes are checked, again, tagger, TikTok creator marketplace, Facebook brand clouds manager, tools to identify the right people then it's time to start outreaching to these people. Um, and so outreach wise, again, that's where you're going to send that message to all 500. Hey, Aaron, I think you're a great brand fit. Love the content you consistently put out. I think you love our product. Send it to you. No strings attached. What we mean by that, no expectation of you to post whatsoever. Send me your address. Get this right out to you. Add one line about your brand in there. Make it short and sweet. Just send it like that. 
out of the 500, obviously we do have expectations. Uh, otherwise, I probably want to be on this podcast. I want to have a business and this wouldn't be a service. Out of the 500 expectations wise, what you can typically expect at a minimum, we see, and then just apply these percentages again, right? As you scale it down internally and try this. Out of 500, we see a minimum of 100 opt in to receive product. So a minimum of 20%. You can expect, you know, 100 to 200. So 20 to 40% expect to send product to out of the 100 that receive product. And I would recommend doing an unboxing experience there. Uh, we use a preferred partner called Packlane for that. Helps you with an unboxing experience. You want to make it more unique, more special for the influencers. Uh, and that's what we all care about as well. It just lends itself to greater post rates. We've seen a significant increase there. So unboxing experience with Packlane is our preferred partner there. Uh, out of the 100 that receive product, uh, a minimum of 30% end up posting of their own free will under no contractual agreement, uh, no incentive. It's just because they love your brand, love your product, and have become a genuine product adopter and advocate. Uh, and then they do so on average two to three times each. So you end up with 30 influencers posting 60 to 90 assets in total, 60 to 90 posts. Our team then follows up. Hey, Aaron, so glad you love the product so much. So you're willing to share this content with your audience. Hey, we'd love to be able to share this content with our audiences as well. Can we have the rights to do so? Get a usage rights to all that content, reformat it in 9 by 16 one by one caption it, create iterations off of it. Then we have 150, 200 plus ads to launch into paid media, fully equipping that thing uh, for full takeoff. So that's everything. Definitely word vomited there, A through Z. Um, apologize for bleeding the ears a little bit, but that is everything. Gosh, that is 150. That is so crazy. And then so... Are most of the people that you're working with, like, just tell me the size, because obviously you said to scale down. So for 500, like what size of brand is, is reaching out to 500 people to get that many pieces of creative assets? Just get an idea, because I'm sure that some people may be like, okay, that's no problem. 150 assets for my for my ad strategy, like that's perfect. I need that much. Um, but you said you reach out to 500 each month, and then it's just kind of like a rolling process. What size of brands are typically um, are, are aspiring to be that are, t- that are creating that type of content to need that much out? Outreach, I guess. Yeah, great question. Um, pardon me. So, I mean, I'll just give you like typical clients we work with, but I will say it's truly for anybody and everybody. Um, we have a case study where we've helped scale a brand from zero to one million, right, and kick them off with this. And they started with seeding, got their creative library completely filled up, and then ran paid media, and that was their entire strategy to go from zero to a million in four months. And we did this on behalf of M and M's, where they won an award for best use of new channel on TikTok through this influencer seeding strategy where we sourced a bunch of creative on TikTok, repurposed into paid media on Facebook ads, increased their sales by 457%. So like you get both sides there and startup, household name. It truly is for everybody. Creative is king, right? Especially in paid media these days, the more you can get of it, the better content that you can get and whoever can get it most cost effectively. Creative is just creating new opportunities. Every new piece of creative that you get to equip your ad account with is another opportunity to get delivery, to get spend, to cut your, you know, to cut your cost per acquisition costs and have so on and so forth. So the more creative we can get, honestly, the better at any given stage of your business. Um, you also mentioned that the product seeding and getting that initial, um, you know, creative to to the to the customer right to your clients uh, it's sort of the first step right and then after that 
you still you still create a more of a more permanent relationship with those influencers or um i guess what what happens after um these influencers you know generate the content for you yeah great question i did want to just harp on the creative first and how because the biggest value out of it is the creative and then you know that being repurposed into paid media because the idea there is you're trying to get greater delivery greater spend while also reducing your cost per acquisition that's where like the profitable profitable like margin resides a lot of it a majority of it and that's where the main value add is but yes on the organic side realistically on the organic side not much roi is going to come and i think that's where a big um i don't know maybe a miscommunication from a lot of influencer agencies out there where they're just preaching hey if you get this person to post about you you can expect a four to four to one whatever it is but a majority of the time hey no social media organic algorithms are not set up for conversion they're not they're set up for engagement um like instagram's algorithm right now if you post on instagram you're reaching a max of 10 percent of your audience and you know only so many of those people are actually going to engage with it and then so many of those people are going to actually going to go to the website and convert like it's just a dwindling funnel there uh, TikTok, though, on the other hand, it is interesting. That's why I would say push your chips on in on it on the organic side because you very easily can far surpass that ten percent of an audience to you know going viral. If you get thirty influencers posting on TikTok about your brand, one of those is probably bound to go viral. But even then, that's just views and impressions, right? They're still not set up for conversion. That's where paid media comes in and repurposing that creative. So on the on the organic side. It's top of the funnel, right? Prospecting. You probably will get your retargeting efforts to, you know, increase their conversion rate, and it will, you know, help that out with the funnel. Um, so I did want to just lend context, but to answer your question directly, what are next steps with these people on the organic side? Yes, yes, we want to continue to work with them and continue to build strong relationships with them. After they post for the first time, we're sending them a message, and I would highly recommend doing this because otherwise, you're just leaving money on the table. Like, hey, Aaron, so glad that you loved our product so much. So you're willing to post. Hey, we'd love to honor you for any and all future posts and get you onboarded into our affiliate program and get you compensated for this moving forward. So it serves as a very like seamless transitional moment where it's a no brainer for them, right? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, I just posted about them for free. I, I obviously love this brand, love this product. Why wouldn't I want to get paid for it moving forward? So we recommend getting set up on Refersion. They're phenomenal. Uh, the best tool in the market for influencer affiliate marketing. It's like 150 bucks a month, super inexpensive to get started with them and they do a great job. But yeah, I would onboard them as an affiliate at that point. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15 minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. How are you like, so let's say, for example, let's let's break it down to like they send it to 100 people. How are they tracking whether or not um, are they using other third party software, whether or not they're tracking uh, that they've po- they've posted like there's the stories or anything like that? Yeah, this is my favorite tool of the tech stack. I'm glad you asked that question. I can't believe I forgot it. Mighty Scout. Great tool. Um, 
Mighty Scout is basically solving exactly what Aaron brings up here. So as soon as you get the 100 people that opt in to receive the product, you don't know when they're going to post, what they're going to post, how they're going to post, right? Because you're saying no strings attached. We have no expectation of you to post, but of course you do. So we plug in all 100 of their usernames, their social handles into Mighty Scout, their Instagram handles, their TikTok handles, all of the above. And then it just serves as a social listening tool. So you don't need to be scouring the internet 24-7, seeing who posted what, when, uh, when are they going to and worrying about that. Mighty Scout collects the content in real time, uh, aggregates all the organic analytics. And my favorite, you're able to download uh, the content right from that platform and then get it into uh, your paid media efforts. Definitely ask for usage rights, but then do so. I was going to say that's very cool. So you could literally just go in through there and like, I don't know if it downloads it as a zip file. It doesn't have to, but just the fact that you can go in there, download the content right as soon as you get the message back. And then the message at that point, is there anything else legally that you'd like to do other than just like, okay, I got the message back and that's, you know, I'm good with that because they've said they've given us permission. There's nothing else legally that you guys necessarily suggest. Yeah, no. I mean, you should be in the clear at that point. We take a screenshot of the message and then file that away in Dropbox just because, you know, messages can be deleted from one side or the other. So to be safe, we send that message getting usage rights. They say, yes, we screenshot that file it away. Um, But no, I wouldn't do any further. The minute you throw like an actual contract in front of them to sign off on it, it becomes a little... Yeah, they run away. Yeah. Okay, cool. I was just wondering about the... So you mentioned something I was thinking, which is the, yeah, take a screenshot or something, just kind of cover your bases where it's like, you did give us permission and okay. Cause I can see them like, Oh wow, this is me on an ad. And like, I got targeted because Facebook knows or Instagram knows or TikTok knows that I engage with this brand. So I'm seeing an ad of myself and they're like, Hey, they're probably making money off of this. I'm going to go reach back out and try to get some. So that's what, and that's why we stay in that five kid, 150 K range. Cause quite, and that range really, they just don't have agents. They don't have managers in their ear. None of that. And so a, a majority of the time, they they're truly are just flattered. And so we've seen people that are in the content comment on the ad and say, oh, my God, that's me tagging friends <laughs> and stuff. Like they're just they're stoked to be a part of it. Um, so it's always fun to see that. So um, go ahead. Sorry. You mentioned the um, I believe it was the the unboxing experience, right, as, as something to add on to sort of encourage, right, that influencer to create the content are there any other uh tips or things that you guys do within the agency to to help them right move that that nudge a little bit more uh for them to create content great question so in addition to that um we have what's called a seating card and pack lane actually helps you create that too so a seating card is just like um basically think of it as a creative brief but not like it's an inception type of creative brief you know what i mean so it's not like here's your talking points and the you know and here's the scenes we want you to capture but hey on this card within the unboxing experience it's going to tell you a little bit uh, about our brand it's going to show you the value adds of the product that we just sent you so hey if you were going to post you can lean into this non-creative brief for what you could potentially say um so definitely recommend having that. And again, pack lane tees you up for success there and we'll help you build that out. In addition to that, a part of our communication flow, like our flow, definitely don't just reach out once, right? To try to get people onboarded to opt in to receive your product. Like we have a five follow flow comment on their picture saying, continue to reiterate, Hey, just want you to know, again, this is no strings attached. We just want to get product in your hands. Just keep doubling down on that until you get a response. After five, you'll be a stage five clinger. So stop and cut it off at that point. 
um, borderline stage five clinger already. But if they receive your product and you'll be able to see it on your back end, and it's been three days, we typically send them a message if they haven't posted at that point yet saying, you know, hey, uh, we saw that you were able to receive the product. Hope you're enjoying it and that you love it. Um, something along those lines, not saying, hey, go post about us, but just resurfacing yourself, right? Saw that you received the product. Hope you love it. Uh, let us know if you have any feedback, whatever it is. And that typically like prompts another, you know, set of people that will end up posting too. So I would, I would add that into the mix. So you mentioned here, right, the the main play is to get, I mean, the way I'm looking at this now is that the influencer's side of marketing is just literally a really good power play for content creation. It's like content creation for a really cheap price. Um, and then whenever you work with somebody uh, or you're suggesting to them, they need to have some kind of like ad strategy or have been spending money on ads or have something in place because you're about to give them a ton of content. If they don't use it for ads, then it's, you know, it's not like it's a waste. They have the content, but it's like, okay, it'd be a waste. Okay. So do you like, what do you do to kind of suggest that like you, before you work with somebody, you're like, Hey, look, you guys need to be spending ads, spending money on ads or, or it doesn't make sense to work with us. Or like we suggest these agencies or how do you guys go about that side? Well, we run paid social. That's that's my background. Actually, what okay, got me cool. into the space in the first place. Uh, I was at a growth agency called Common Thread Collective. I don't know if you you guys have ever heard of those guys, uh, but truly, I was doing influencer uh, for them and um, running paid social. And what I quickly found out was like, hey, this type of content typically outperforms the other content, like studio shoe assets, and it's one tenth of the cost. Okay, this is definitely something to dive into a little bit deeper. Uh, so we actually run paid social um, and we actually like having control of it. So a lot of the time we even offer a free month to a lot of brands that we're doing seating for just because in the past, if they had a separate agency or if they had someone internally, a lot of the time we would send over 150, 200 plus assets. And then the person that was running it would just choose their top favorite 10 to run out of all of the assets. And that is a surefire way to like just butcher this entire process and make it not worthwhile. So we just got to the place where, hey, we'll offer you a free month. Let us just show you the setup. And if we outperform and outcompete the current agency, we'll just take it from there. But we were incentivized to do that free month just because that's where the success is going to be had or failure is going to be had. Um, and so we're very much so incentivized to do that. But to give you the setup, I know long-winded answer again. I just wanted to harp on. I wanted to showcase that and how, we, how we're doing that now and to showcase how important this step is. Um, so you want to launch all of it. Do not pick and choose your favorites. Do not allow your human bias to come into play here. That is a surefire way to not sweep up all the low hanging fruit here and a way to leave money on the table. So how we set up the account, you're like 150, 200 plus assets in a month. Holy shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's a lot. So we're launching this. I don't know how familiar all listeners are with Facebook ads or even TikTok ads, but we're doing both. Basically, within Facebook, you can launch what are called dynamic creative tests. Uh, it's just a campaign where you can just upload up to 10 pieces of creative, and then Facebook will determine which creative they should optimize for and which creative they should put spend behind that will resonate most within the audience that you're targeting. So it will get rid of the riffraff for you. Uh, if you're thinking to yourself, hey, this piece of content isn't worth launching, I know it's not going to work. If you're right, Facebook won't spend a dime behind it. If you don't launch it and you're wrong, you just missed out on a ton of money. So you might as well launch it. So if we have a hundred assets, let's just say that we're launching four pieces of creative. I know you can do up to 10 within each dynamic creative test because we're just trying to limit the variables a little bit more. 
So in this scenario, four creatives, 25 dynamic creative testing campaigns. And then we set them all with cost caps on them. Cost caps for listeners, again, it's just basically a bid strategy that allows you to say, hey, I have a $10 cost per acquisition target. Don't spend a dollar more than that to acquire a customer. So we put those cost caps at your desired CPA, honestly, far lower below it to begin with, um, and then allow Facebook to incrementally just spend a little bit behind each campaign, inching out spend as much as possible behind the cream of the crop that they identify as the top performing creative, not us. Again, you very well may have been right, but if you're wrong, which our team plays the game, let's try to pick and choose which one's going to win, but launch them all. We've never been right. Like just last week, we, uh, from our seeding campaigns, we were able to get content from Joe Rogan, who has uh, talked about this product four times for free, man. Crazy. And he gave us usage rights to this content to use of him talking about the product on his podcast with like the product showing up on screen, everything. We launched that. We had this other like TikTok macro influencer, super trendy, catchy, you know, quick video, everything you'd want out of TikTok video. And then this third video, this guy literally just showing the box saying, hey, review coming. Thanks for the gift. Three seconds long. That's the video. I'm not saying this happens all the time, but it's just to prove the point, right? That video out of the three got a majority of the spend, beat our CPA target by 33% and got all the purchases on the month. Just launch it all. Set your ad account up in a way where you only spend money if you make money. And it just becomes a game about how many pieces of creative can you get? Because it's just going to tee you up for another opportunity to win. So that's the strategy here. That's so cool. Does it, um, just kind of like concluding here, because I think we'd probably be able to talk all day. Uh, no, 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 this is great. Uh, this is really good. Uh, I'm taking a ton of notes. With this, um, right, just kind of tell people, right, it's direct to consumer. Does this also, we work with a lot with clothing stores. Do you think this still works with like a clothing store where it's a boutique style or does it need to really be like their own brand? Um, or have you seen both work or have you seen either, neither of them work? It'll work better with people that have brands, right? But honestly, mm-hmm. it just comes down to people with physical products. You need a physical mm-hmm. product to really make this happen and make it work. Um, the lower the cogs are, obviously, the better. Right. Uh, just because it's easier. Um, but any cogs that are $50 or less to get your product to the doorstep of an influencer, this is a, this is a great way to get creative. Okay. That was, uh, that was going to be my next question for sure is like, where do we lie with cost of goods? Or if you guys look at lifetime values, like, okay, cost of goods may be $100, but the lifetime value of that customer is 1000 So it's just like... Let's just compare it to the market rates real quick because this is actually what leads to the pay for post model is dead statement. Yeah. Basically, first 30 influencers posting 60 to 90 posts in total with usage rights to that content. And within the pay-for-post model, you go to any influencer marketing agency in the world or you go to influencers directly, you're looking at a 30K fee. You are. Uh, if your product is $30 and you're doing seeding, you send out 100 products, 100 products times 30, that's $3,000 instead of $30,000. So let's just back it out though. If your COGS are $300, 30000 $30,000, you know, the typical pay for post market rate for 30 influencers, 60 to 90 assets, $30,000 divided by $300. Let's say that's the cost of getting your product to the doorstep of an influencer. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, 100, right? So if a product is, then that's 100 products being sent out to get that type of output. So if your COGS are $300 or less, I would highly recommend doing this strategy uh, in comparison to the pay for post model. 
because that's what it would cost if you were otherwise doing it. And in this, and in this model, you're going to get more authentic content and genuine relationships out of it in comparison to the transactional model. If there is there anything that you know, because you you told us kind of the blueprint, the way to set it up, the tech stack. Um, there's so much information, so much value in the podcast. Is there anything that we're missing just from an outside perspective that um, the people typically ask, or they run into a problem that they run into that um, before we jump off of here? I would just double down. The biggest point here, right, and because the biggest pushback that we get or that we feel like we need to educate people on is kind of what we just walked through with like the Joe Rogan content, that TikTok content, the guy that was like a three second video. This was a gift review coming, just didn't even show the product, but that's what scaled the ad account. Like what I'll say is just double down on this. This will not work unless you launch it all. Like remove your, like surrender your ego at the door, remove personal bias, give Facebook all of it. Cause again, it will not spend money behind it. If you're making, unless you're making money. And so if you're right about it, it won't spend a nickel, a dime, none of them. So launch it all. It's, you're going to, we've never been right. Again, I had to learn this and sacrifice my ego a long time ago. So that's the value. Don't pick and choose. Give it to Facebook. Very cool. And you do, uh, just as a side note, I was thinking about that. Uh, Dynamic Creative is also possible within TikTok. So you do a very similar thing on there too. Yeah, it's, it's TikTok's. I mean, platform was built off Facebook's platform, right? Right. It's just different naming conventions at the end of the day. But yeah, exact same process. They have a different name for cost caps. They have a different name for dynamic creative tests. Um, but the same exact setup. Very cool, Taylor. This was very powerful, and I think so informative for for us and just everybody who is listening. How can they find out more about uh, your guys' brand? How could they potentially work with you guys? What's a What's a great way to connect with you guys? Yeah, kinship.co, kinship with a Y, K Y N S H I P dot C O, not dot com. Uh, and then Twitter is a great place uh, to just be a student. We're, my partner and I are constantly putting out uh, new threads and kind of like this podcast, very much so trying to tee you up to do this internally and scale your efforts there. Um, so my partner is Cody Woodick, and then I'm Taylor Lagasse on Twitter. Very cool. Awesome. And we'll link both of those uh, or all those links actually in the show notes description. So appreciate it. Thank you so much, Taylor. Thank you guys. Appreciate the time. See ya. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBranding and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.